Welcome to The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Join us as we experience the vital teachings of Enneagram expert Dr. Joseph Howell, clinical psychologist and author of Becoming Conscious, The Enneagram's Forgotten Passageway. Relax as you are taken beyond personality typing to The Real Enneagram, The Spiritual Development of the Soul. Welcome back to The Real Enneagram, a podcast sponsored by the Institute for Conscious Being. And today we have with us just Dr. Joseph Howell and myself, I'm Erica Jobes, and it's just the two of us today. Today we want to deliver on a promise that we made a couple of podcasts ago to discuss the levels of consciousness. And as we begin to do that, my very first question for you, Dr. Howell, is what does levels of consciousness have to do with the Enneagram? Why are we even talking about that? Well, it's a very good question, and it brings up a broader issue, and that is that the Enneagram is not a static, labeling, typing personality system. Uh, It can be billed as that, and it can be looked at on that level, if you wish. If people enjoy finding out what their ego type is and want to get into that and are fascinated by that, that's fabulous. The Enneagram offers so much more. And what it offers is an organic reflection of the changeability of life. It reflects life. It doesn't standardize it. So the Enneagram is not just a 2D chart. No. With nine points on it, with arrows going in different directions no. that are confusing. No. And, but, it, but that is a starting place. And so there mm-hmm. are a lot of people that have learned about the Enneagram in business and in work. Mm-hmm. And they've learned about it for their relationships. And mm-hmm. they've learned about their, their selves. And that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fun. Yeah. And it's, it's good to know um, why I'm so bossy, you know, yeah. and uh, demanding. That's great. But really what we want to talk about today is, is a topic for those people who are looking for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They want to learn. They know that there's more. And they want yes. to learn more and go a little bit on a deeper dive with the Enneagram. Kind of like what we did with the soul child, which we still have yet to go far deeper than what we've done. But I understand you want people to understand that the levels of consciousness is a piece of information that is much deeper than the labeling of of type. Right, Okay. exactly. So, so it's related to the Enneagram, how? We've started on that and... Because at each of the nine points, which are in the Enneagram of personality, are personality types, which we call enneotypes or egotypes, if you will, because each type is built around a fixation, because each type is built around helping that soul child not to get wounded again. That's how the ego came. The soul child, in its little nakedness, was made to feel ashamed, was rejected, or was told in some way that they were not okay the way they were. 
and that happens to just pretty much every human being. Simply because our parents say, no, you cannot go out of the house without clothes. Yeah. So we can't blame the parents either. Mm -hmm. So it's just a natural, inherent thing in life that the ego comes into the unconditioned soul child to protect that child, to give it a way to react to the world. So the ego is not all bad. Oh, my goodness, no. Um, it helped me put my clothes on this morning. <laughs> okay. It, it, it helps us move in this world. It gives us an image. It gives us a way to move in the world. And it gives us protection. Okay. Good. It's wonderful. There are nine different kinds of egos. And each of them started in the soul child. And it was this. You can't hurt my soul child, and if you try to, I'm going to be peaceful. You can't hurt my soul child, and if you try to, I'm going to be right. You can't hurt my soul child, and the way you're not going to do it is I'm going to be so helpful. You can't hurt my soul child, and I'll tell you why not, because I am successful. Don't mess with me and don't mess with my soul child because we're special. Don't hurt us. We know a lot. Number six, don't hurt us. We're on your team. Number seven, don't hurt us. We're the happy ones. Number eight, don't hurt us or our soul child. We're more powerful than you are. What do you think? Those are excellent premises to base a life. But out of those defense mechanisms come a fixation with making sure that that little soul child is forever protected. And so out of it, out of the fixations come irrational ideas, distortions of reality, and ways that we move in the world that are actually on three different levels. Healthy, average, and unhealthy. So three different levels of consciousness. Yeah, with each ego type. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's just a, in, in a very basic, easy to understand way, we, we kind of just start with three levels. My friend Don Rizzo, when we uh, were meeting and uh, uh, teaching at the University of Alabama School of Medicine, um, we discussed uh, the levels of consciousness in terms also of um, psychiatric uh, nomenclature. It was shortly after that that he came out with the outstanding levels of consciousness for each type, and he had nine. Okay. But of those nine, there were three basic ones, which I have in my book, Becoming Conscious, which is the conscious healthy type, which is the highest, the average type, which is in the middle, and the unhealthy unconscious type, which is at the bottom of consciousness. Okay. So when we learn these three different levels of consciousness, mm -hmm. what do mm -hmm. we learn? What are we learning? We're learning that we can be either any one of those three at a given time according to the level of stress, according to the level of spiritual growth, 
and according to the level of our conscious understanding. Can you experience all three levels in the same day? Yes, you can. The most conscious person in the world can have an ego attack. (laughs) Even Mother Teresa herself, in her writings, expresses these ego attacks that she would have. And look at her level of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the freeing thing of understanding the levels is in our humanity, we need to be familiar when we hear the voice of the ego, understand it and say, hey, ah, that's you again. I know you. Mm-hmm. And not be scared of it or repress it or uh, say that it, that we don't hear it because we do. Come on. Well, I love one of the things that, that you've said in the past is, you know, we're, we're, when we're on the right track, we're going down the path and we're, 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 we're doing well. If we have awareness of uh, the unhealthy behaviors of our ego, if we're aware of them, when we go off track, it's easier to get back on track sooner. It's not that we won't go off track because we will. Yes. We just are able to make adjustments Mm -hmm. and to to put in those practices that help us get back on track sooner. Yeah, and the longer we do it, the quicker we're able to get ourselves back on track. Right. Because we can nail it. Right. So so you don't just go up to the conscious, healthy level of your ego type and stay there. Well, that would be really... um, unreal wouldn't it? It, it I know very I don't know very many people who live there and I don't know anybody who has gotten there instantaneously mm-hmm. it's just not life right so <clears throat> for me uh, one of the uh, in, with an eight you know I, I deal with some anger issues and because it's it's my way or the highway. And so if if people aren't doing what I had planned for them to do in my head. Now, I haven't told them, but maybe I have this idea and they're not doing that. The way uh the way that my anger surfaces is through sarcasm. And uh so much so that, you know, my kids if I start getting sarca- sarcastic, my kids will say, "Mom, is somebody getting angry?" And that is a red flag for me, and it's an awareness <laughs> for me to get back on track, and I do yeah. it all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. if say, you know, an employee is late to work, you know, I'm I'm angry about it. I'll say, "Well, glad you can make it." And I get real sarcastic, you know, we're going to buy another alarm clock or, you know, "Wow, the sun and the moon aligned and you got to work on time. That's great." You know. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, that's me surfacing that unhealthy behavior. Mm-hmm. And so that awareness has helped me a lot mm-hmm. because when I can feel myself getting sarcastic, I know mm-hmm. I'm heading off track. Off track. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It also gives, the levels also give us um, a good reference point because it helps us understand that to get to the very highest level of our personality type, we have to go outside the personality type. The ego itself does not have the knowledge to bring it to its highest consciousness. Um, I think we said before, uh, 
uh, Albert Einstein said that no problem can be solved on the level of consciousness that created the problem. And so the problem for the ego is the fixation. And the ego itself cannot think its way out of its fixation. So the Enneagram shows us that if we travel to the point where our essence is on that Enneagram, we have a deeper well of consciousness from which to dip. It can provide us with everything we need to reach the part of consciousness that our ego itself could not reach. Okay. So how does one... I mean, I guess we, we need to talk about levels first. What what else? My question was going to be, how does one... How does one move to that point of integration? How do you know? How do you move from an unhealthy level of consciousness to an average or healthy level of consciousness? First answer is you've got to want to. Oh. It means <clears throat> that there must be the intention and the motivation for spiritual growth. In the end, it boils down to love. Scott Peck and his... Um, very famous book, um, classic, called The Road Less Traveled, uh, stated in his definition of love that uh, love is the uh, extension of oneself for the spiritual growth of oneself or of another. Isn't that a beautiful definition of love? And if we do not want to love ourselves... And if we do not want to truly increase our love for others, we don't have any interest in reaching any higher consciousness. It's all about self and self-absorption. And that's the unhealthy level of the ego level of consciousness called unhealthy slash unconscious. It's self-absorption. It's selfishness. It may not look that way. There may be behaviors that look so giving and so beautiful, but it is a guise for um, self-gratification. The higher one goes on the scale of levels of consciousness, they gravitate more from egocentricity to solality or soul-centricity which is at the top of the scale where one is healthy and conscious. Wow. <clears throat> Can you give an example in your life? <clears throat> well, for example, um, I think a lot of people can identify with this. When um, a couple first has their first baby, things change. The couple is much more into themselves. Ah, oh, what are we going to do? It's all for us. Let's da da da. Let's do this. Let's have people over. Blah blah blah. Well, I remember one night, my wife and I said, "Yeah, let's go to a movie." And we were about to get our coats on before we remembered there's a baby in the house, <laughs> a brand new baby, and uh, the, our consciousness. That's what's called a shock point. <laughs> we were shocked into a new consciousness that it's not all about us. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, similarly, when one is single, um, you know, bump it, bump it back a few years. When you're single. 
and you want to do whatever you want to do, it's different from when you have somebody else that yeah. you're in a relationship with. You can with. eat what you want for dinner. Yeah, you can eat whatever you want. Ramen noodles. Yeah. But if you've got somebody who wants Mexican, <laughs> hey, you got to consider maybe you are going to eat Mexican that night or right. Indian or whatever. Right. Okay. So so that is an example of how it's it's about love. It's about, it's about the less you are self-involved, the more conscious you become. So if you are thinking of others and extending yourself for the betterment of others and for yourself, the spiritual growth of others in yourself, then you're going to get out of that unhealthy egocentricity of level of that first level on the bottom. Okay. You're going to go up to, to average. And you're going to begin thinking about others a little more. And when you live in the average range, you're exposed to the fact that, hey, there's a range higher than that, wherein I'm always thinking about others. And I'm always thinking about maybe even what the divine has to say about a certain situation that takes it away from what my preference may be. Okay. So can I ask you maybe to take our audience through like the levels of consciousness of maybe the ego type one and how that looks as you move from that unhealthy place to the average to the healthy? Yeah. Um, Well, like uh, level three, which is the, we call it the lowest level, level three, um, which is unhealthy and unconscious for an ego type one who says to the world, I'm right and you can't hurt me or my soul child because I'm right. On an unhealthy level, they're usually irritable. They have a lot of condemning, uh, self-condemning, uh, uh, self-critic in, in them. They are um, a depressive fatalist because, you know, most other people aren't doing it the way we want it done. And nobody listens to me. No. And lot, yeah, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And um, they, they, they end up uh, expressing anger, which is the thing they don't want to express because that's their avoidance. It's not nice and right to be angry. You know, after all, anger is one of those seven deadly sins. Actually, there are nine of them. Uh, but uh, they end up losing the control that they have had to have all these years. And uh, some of them can get very depressed and melancholy and even suicidal. So the purist, the, the one who's always right, ends up being the one who looks the least right in the end. Interesting. So as the ego type one moves from that unhealthy state to... To the average state. And that means that they are kind of um, kind of a idealistic um, world corrector. They're kind of like the classroom monitor. They try to be gentle about it, but they are taking names and kicking. <laughs> and uh, they're just a very judgmental person, and you kind of know when you're around them that they're sizing you up and kind of thinking about all the maybe incorrect things that you're saying, etc. 
So and they're going to correct, they're going to take a red pen to anything you write to them. Pretty much. It. They're going to try to make it palatable. Because right. because they're trying to help you. Yeah. yeah. Help and you do better yeah. with your grammar and your... They're correcting the world. I mean, hey, they've got a good motivation. And uh, they're very hardworking, perfectionistic people. Hard, hard work, play must be earned. Work is something that's got to be. So that's that's an an ethic there which they adhere to usually. Probably spend part of their vacation doing some work. Could do, yeah, because you know it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> interesting. Okay, go ahead. But after being on that level, if they continue to have the motivation to love other people and to love themselves, they're going to come upon their soul child. They're going to come upon uh, their joy. They're going to come upon their optimism. And those are the antidotes for the sourpuss from the uh, classroom monitor, from the condemning judge. Once happiness and joy come into the picture, it leavens their criticality. And they become a new kind of creature. They see things they didn't see before. It's it's absolutely beautiful. So they are much more serene, which is um, one of their uh, virtues. Um, they are the discerner of the right way, but they don't lord it over you. They just model it. And they accept you the way you are. They can see the perfection in the imperfection. Absolutely. Yeah. Holy perfection. Holy perfection. And they're good-natured rather than irritable as they were down at level three. At level one, their optimism gives them an energy of happiness. We'll get this right is what they may say. But if we don't today, it'll be okay. It'll happen sometime. Isn't that great? They make great guiders and teachers and mentors. And And so at this level, this healthy level, we basically have the soul leading the ego. ego. Right. And we still have the ego. We need our ego type ones to -hmm. help us keep things straight. Absolutely. But when the soul leads, something new emerges. Absolutely. It's an alchemical reaction between the wisdom, the hard-won wisdom of the ego and the divine wisdom of the soul. Um, it, um, it's sort of like both of those entities are put into a crucible and the issues of life are the flame of the uh, Bunsen burner. And the, those two elements cook together and create a different uh, third element. Interesting. And so the levels of consciousness are one reason that you can put uh, a room full of twos, ego type twos. You can put, you can have 20 people that are Mm -hmm. all have identified as ego type twos Mm -hmm. in a room Mm -hmm. and you can have 20 different variations 
because yeah. you could have because people are functioning on different levels of consciousness. Absolutely. Some are very extremely unhealthy. Yeah. They have that, you know, the very most unhealthiest, you know, behavior of that egotype. Right. And then some are really functioning at a very healthy and they're going to look mm. very different. Right. Right. As an example with the twos, on the unhealthy, they uh they create dependent relationships. Uh as an unha- they like people to eat out of their hands. They, so to they speak. want people to need them. Right, codependency. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the average level, um, they they love giving to people, and they create some dependencies. But it's more that they like nurturing. And then on their conscious level, level one, they become very self-aware and know about their own needs and meet those first without giving to get. And so their giving is much more altruistic without a hidden agenda. Which is exactly what you said before when you said, you know, at the unhealthy levels, you're very focused on yourself. Right. And as you grow in consciousness, right. you begin to focus on others Absolutely. from a selfless place. That's great, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Good. So so levels yeah. of consciousness... Um, Help help us to understand what about the Enneagram? The levels of consciousness help us to understand that the Enneagram is fluid, not static. It's not a cookie cutter. We can't say we are just this way. Uh, it reflects the complicated nature of life and of being a human being. For example, the, uh, earlier you mentioned if there were 20 people who had an ego too in a room, there would be 20 different manifestations of it according to the different levels. Well, just think about this too. You've got the subtypes, which we haven't even discussed, wherein people are looking at life either from the self-preservative, the social, or the sexual aspects of being. And those are the lenses out of which their two-ness is, is looked at, or their three-ness, or their one-ness, etc. So, and I could give you eight more dimensions out of which people also have a different filter, such as how conscious are they of their idealized essential aspects. How aware are they of their holy idea? How aligned are they with their virtue? And these are all the things that we're going to be discussing that are far more than just describing what a two is and enjoying what a two is. And these are also good reasons. You you always say and you always teach that it's important not to type others for them. I would strongly warn people against labeling and typing others because life is complicated. And I ask, would you like to be typed and told by somebody else who you are without their really knowing how you look at the world? Your motivations, your levels of consciousness, your subtypes, your lens, your your holy idea, Mm -hmm. all of these things. It's a very private and, I think, sacred matter as to how a human being 
comes to understanding and embracing their type, I would never say that that thing is to be done by anybody else other than the person themselves. And typing tests can be used, and I think it's wonderful, but there are many other methods besides tests that can also be used in conjunction with assessments. Typing itself really escapes standardization. It's different for every human. Okay. Well, we've we've had a great session today, but I want to ask you, what would you like to leave with our audience about the levels of consciousness in the Enneagram? To understand that um, once we reach a certain level of consciousness, a healthy level, if we do have a relapse, if we do have a regression, um, it is possibly due to stress, due to a crisis maybe, uh, due to some unforeseen circumstance that makes us revert back to our our earlier levels of functioning, the years that we spent in ego, and that that's only natural, it's forgivable, and it is part of self-compassion for us to accept that part of ourselves and that we can get back up there, but that we're human and that we play the range of this thing and that we're not cookie cutters who have reached nirvana and that's where we are. And I think it's heartening to know that the best of us can have these blind spots at times. Okay, great. Well, thank you for... Uh, taking us through the levels of consciousness today. And I would just like to remind uh, our audience that Dr. Joseph Howell has written a book entitled Becoming Consciousness, A Forgotten Passageway. And uh, it is available uh, through Amazon and the other sites that you typically go to purchase books. I'd also like to remind our audience that we have a conference coming up in Swanee, Tennessee at St. Mary's, and that's going to be held March 1st through the 3rd. If you're interested, you can go to our website, uh, theicb.org, and you can find information on upcoming conferences, upcoming training sessions, etc. You can also find more information about the Institute and the different uh, people that are involved. And thank you again. We'd like to invite you back next week for our next podcast. I'll be here, Erica. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Check out our website at www.theicb.org. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot O-R-G. If you have questions you would like to have answered on this podcast, just email us at the address on our website, theicb.org, under Contacts. And if you would like to attend one of the conferences or other events of the Institute for Conscious Being, you will find these presentations on our website under Events.